Hello, critics, non-critics, and friends. Welcome to the Film Optics Podcast, brought to you by the Drive-In Podcast Network, where we discuss film, TV, and all things Hollywood-related. I'm your host, Christian, and I'm joined by friends of the show, Ryan McQuaid from Incession Film and Awards Watch, and Jay Letter, Jay Ledbetter, excuse me, from Incession of Film Podcast. And last but not least, Nicole Ackman from nextbestpicture.com. And they are all here to help us close out on our 20-year celebration of Harry Potter. I can't believe we're already here. And we're going to be, of course, talking about the Deathly Hallows Part 2. And before we begin today's show, you can listen to our podcast on platforms around the internet. If you're a new or seasoned listener to the show, we'd love to hear from you guys. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Film Optics. That is Optics with an X. Nicole, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm so excited to be back on the show. Thank you so much for having me again. And excited to talk about my other favorite Harry Potter movie. So I've, I've got some, I've got a fun story too about when okay. I watched this. Okay. Yeah. Mr. Uh, Ryan McQuaid, how are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you for inviting me back on, Christian. It's wonderful to be here. Uh, with you and to talk with Jay and of course talk with Nicole again about Harry Potter. It feels like I am bound by a court of law to talk about this <laughs> franchise with her. So, well, you signed uh, a contract when you came on to prison. That's true. Just, it was a blood you just oath, didn't know it. and I can't take yeah. it back. I, there's actually a contract. If I'm going to mention Remus Lupin, you have to be here for it. So. Oh, well, here I am. Yeah, so, but no, I'm. I'm oh, we're going to talk about Remus Lupin. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? You know what? Before before you get his thoughts, I just want to say that I have been podcasting with truly, I can say this, one of my best friends on the planet in Jay Ledbetter for four years now. And I have never actually in a capacity on any show talked about this series with him. And I know spoiler alert, he's a fan. How big a fan you'll find out here. In a second. But oh. it is. Production value on here is far higher than ours. Yeah, wow. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we need to get this kind of quality. JD is what we're saying. Uh, but uh, no, is, um, is, uh, but I'm excited to be here and uh, yeah, I'll shut up now. No, it's all right. And of course, we have Mr. J. Ledbetter. I apologize for butchering your name earlier. I'm getting over a cold myself. <laughs> so if I sound like I'm dying, you know, I'm, I just might be. But, <laughs> but, but Jay, it's great to have you on. You know, I know you're a big Harry Potter fan. I've been hearing all the rumblings and I'm like, I got to get mm-hmm. this guy on the show. And it's yeah. really great to have you here. How, how have you been? I'm doing really well. I'm, I I, I kind of hate that I've I've had to turn you down or back out of at least one of these other recordings that we've done. And for I know at least one movie that I hold in very high regard that I'm not sure very many people do, but I'm I'm excited to talk about Harry Potter. I don't know that I've ever done like a long form podcast episode on Harry Potter, whether it was with Ryan or with anybody else. So I'm I'm really excited. My history goes pretty deep uh, with with the Harry Potter franchise. So I'm I'm pumped. I mean, I'm one of like uh, I don't know, seven people in the world who kind of defend the crimes of Grindelwald, if that gives you kind of like where I'm at as far as Harry Potter goes. So, um, you know, we're going to we're going to get into it. That is my that is the crime of Ledbetter is liking the crimes of Grindelwald. But uh, you know what? You deserve a lot of applause for that answer. The crime of there Ledbetter. You go. I, 
Nice. That's that's nice. Very very nice. Very very nice. Uh, but so before we get into the review really quick, I just had a few questions for Mr. J because uh, I know that Ryan and Nicole have already spouted their introductions to Harry Potter and whatnot. And just for a little bit of sake of time, uh, Jay, what was your introduction to Harry Potter and what is your Hogwarts house? I was pretty much there from the jump. I'm like the perfect age to be a Potterhead, as I assume, you know, everybody on this podcast is around yeah, there. Everyone's a pothead around here. Harry, <laughs> Harry Potter, Sorcerer's Stone, the book, I believe, was released in the U.S. in 98. And when in 98, I would have been seven years old, which is like the perfect time to be reading and just get completely wrapped up in Harry Potter for the first time. I played I played all the video games. I'll never forget the Chamber of Secrets PlayStation 2 game. My memory card <laughs> broke and it was like I couldn't save. And so I had to play it in without turning my PlayStation off. I had to finish the entire game. And so my PlayStation was on for like three days straight. And I beat I had to I had to knock out that whole game and I did it and it was fantastic. And uh, I mean, Harry Potter's just been a very important piece of my life. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about all the midnight screenings for the movies, right? I'm talking all the releases at Barnes and Noble for the books. You know, I mean, I, I remember I can't remember which Harry Potter movie it was, but everybody dressed up and I didn't have anything. And I went to Party City and I think the only costume I could find was like I was like, Sherlock Holmes is British, so I could like do that. And that's fine ish, I guess. And that was the closest I had. And it was like, it's kind of funny that I dressed for the wrong movie, but also it's British. I don't know. And then the Sherlock Holmes trailer. I can't remember if it was Sherlock Holmes one or two, but the trailer played before the movie. And then everybody like pointed at me and started clapping for me. And that's when I knew I was born to be a performer. And here I am on a <laughs> podcast so many years later. Um, no, Harry Potter is is very, very important to me. If I would say if I have ever been part of a quote unquote fandom, this would be the one this would this is definitely the closest I get. And maybe I am. And maybe I don't know, I might I might just go crazy as we do this episode to talking about all of my Potter experience. But it, it, <laughs> I'm I'm a big time Potter head for sure. OK, yeah, that that's that's amazing, man. I'm pretty much right there with you. You know, I grew up with the Bucks. Um, I was eh, eight, nine years old when the film came out. Uh, first grade teacher actually read us the first book, like mm -hmm. a chapter a week. And, you know, we didn't really know like how big it was going to be. And then it just boom, like it's crazy, crazy. It was huge. And it's it's still ongoing. I mean, we got a 20 year celebration uh, coming up January 1st on HBO Max, which is insane. Um, I, I can't believe we're actually here, but uh, I want to really play quick. that new Hogwarts RPG for PS5. Oh, yeah, Bring it yeah, on. Let's go. Can't wait yeah. for that special to see them pull Rupert Grin out of the ground or wherever he's been hiding on this couple of years. <laughs> he's He's been on his ice cream truck. He's fine. Yeah. He's been on the set okay. of um, Servant from um, M. Night Shyamalan. He's oh, is been he doing, doing that? that? Yeah. Of course. A show we all watch and of course, love. Yeah, the discourse just runs hey, wild on that. He he did an Ed Sheeran music video. You know? He did. Whoa, he did. Music videos. That's still a thing? You know? Isn't another Netflix series called Sick Note? Which I actually started watching. Isn't it crazy? Speaking of music video, isn't it crazy how like MTV doesn't show music videos anymore? Just just food for thought. Just, just Ryan, is this 2006 right now? Are we busting out bits from 2006? What's the Ooh. deal with music videos? 
But uh, Mr. J. Ledbetter, really quick, what is your Hogwarts house? I mean, look, I'm a bit of a basic boy, right? I mean, you know, I I, I take the Myers-Briggs test. You know, I shout out to all my ISTPs out there, which, of course, is the corresponding personality of Harry Potter himself. Uh, so certainly I identify with Harry Potter in many ways or another. Some people have called me a low-key hero, a, a, a humble man of the people. I've never, never um, that That's a lie. That's a lie. Some people have said it. I mean, whether you've heard it or not, many people have said people are saying and people are saying. Yeah. 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 yeah, Of course. You you present those witnesses next time you're on the show. He literally just said, but I am the chosen one. (laughs) Well, (laughs) you said it, not me. I mean, you, 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 again, people are saying, no, I mean, I, I, it is a boring answer, but I, I have always identified with Gryffindor first and foremost. Um, maybe it's the vanity in me wanting to be the center of attention. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think the main thing was they're good at Quidditch and I always liked sports. So that was kind of it. And I didn't want to be a Slytherin, right? Nobody wants to be a Slytherin. Has anybody um, said that they're a Slytherin? Well, I, I hate to break it to you, Jay. I am a Slytherin. Call me Jacob Mothway. Oh, no. Because I'm a Slytherin. If it makes you feel oh, better, no. I'm wearing my Draco Malfoy, Malfoy sweatshirt right now, Christian. So oh, we got, a, got lot, we got a we got a lot of Malfoy to talk about today. We're gonna get into <laughs> yeah, the yeah, we do. What I'm just saying, not all Slytherins are bad. We do produce the most dark wizards, but just saying, Peter Pettigrew. I feel really good right now because I had Jay pegged as a Gryffindor, so I loved Michael like Ravenclaw. I love to be right. Um, literally went into the like, I love to be right. <laughs> When it, when it comes to me, the most boring answer as far as what I'm like is probably the correct one. So um, you, I'm, I'm, Look, glad that you, I'm, I'm glad that you caught somebody's on early. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's that's true. It's like, you know what? Sometimes it's OK to be basic and that there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. That's my I say that to myself every day when I wake up in the mirror. <laughs> Do you say that when you go to Starbucks and get a pumpkin spice latte? Yes, exactly. <laughs> As you fix up his pumpkin <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. What, uh, ladies and gentlemen, are you ready to get into our review of the Deathly Hallows part two? Absolutely. Let's do it. Sure. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be right back with a Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows review part two right after this short break. Let me get this straight, Professor. You're actually giving us permission to do this. That is correct, Longbottom. To blow it up, boom, boom. Wicked. But how on earth are we gonna do that? Why don't you confer with Mr. Finnegan? As I recall, he has a particular proclivity for pyrotechnics. I can bring it down. That's the spirit, where you go. You do realize, of course, we can't keep up you-know-who indefinitely. That doesn't mean we can't delay him. And his name is Voldemort. Phileas, you might as well use it. He's going to try to kill you either way. Pierre Totem Locomotor! Use that spell. 
And we are back with our Harry Potter and Deathly Hallows part two review with uh, director David Yates coming back yet again and writer Steve Close and J.K. Rowling as the credited novelist of the series. And of course, Daniel Radcliffe, Rupert Grant, Emma Watson, the whole gang is back. I'm not even going to bother reading the synopsis because honestly, if you're listening to this podcast and you're listening to this episode, you probably know what's up. It all ends on this podcast unfortunately this is the end of the road but i wanted to ask everyone really quick have you had a chance to re-watch part two before this podcast we'll start with mr ryan mcquade then we'll go to jay and then we'll end with nicole you you ask me to come on a show and you think i'm not going to be prepared you think I'm not going to watch this movie? <laughs> well, how insulting is that? That's I'm insulting, sorry. Christian. How dare well, you? Actually, me and Brendan, well, he actually didn't watch. He watched part one earlier in the year, but it's like we've we've seen Classic it so many times. Brendan. Yeah, he was like, Classic well, you know. Cassidy. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, Ryan. Go ahead. No, um, I um, I did rewatch this film because uh, it's great. And so, yeah, you want my thoughts on it or, or are you just asking everybody if they watch? Yeah, it? no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely okay. give your thoughts. 100%. Well, I still think that this is the second best uh, film in the Harry Potter franchise. Uh, I think that this is everything you want for an ending. It's one of the shorter episodes in the saga, but boy, is it epic with every proportion. It moves at such a pace that the first part of the deathly hallows you know sort of full linear story does not that is more methodical and it is more of these characters trying to discover um more things about themselves and and everything going on with the story but by the end it's clear as day we have got a fight and I love me a good war movie. I love me a good, like, let's just take all the shackles off. Been hearing for seven damn movies about how powerful everyone's supposed to be. And we can just go at it. Mano a mano, couple of wands, maybe some fists, you know, doing some, doing some, some different things for sure. And getting to see this place of knowledge that is Hogwarts turned into a fortress of, of of blood and death, turning it into a battlefield, turning it into uh you know the last chance for uh for the wizarding world and humanity. That's so emotionally just heartbreaking when characters die. It's so rewarding when big moments from the book happen. Uh, I remember seeing this movie for the first time in theaters. And I don't know if any one of you Harry Potter fans have done this, but that night I saw it, the midnight screening, but I didn't just see that film because the Alamo draft house was doing a marathon of all the Harry Potter movies back to back to back to back. And so I went the day before <laughs> basically, or whatever it was, I don't know how many ever long it felt like it felt like a day before um, I, I started at like, 4.30 in the morning and it went all day and it got to be the, the the first ones to see it and it's beautiful there are moments at the end where I just cry I think of um, 
all that whole sequence when Harry is going out there to sacrifice himself and his parents are there and Sirius is there. And, and just, I think of that, I think of Dumbledore and him in the train station. Um, I think of also one of my favorite Ray Fine performances of all time, because he's just so wicked and he's finally honed in this, I think is the best representation of Voldemort in the series so far, because there is that sense of him reveling in the death and carnage. And there's a, that grin that he has when he's, when they presume that Harry is dead and he is just sort of prancing. It is, it is as cold as you would ever see. It is that the devil himself literally has won. And it's, and then of course, when his reaction, when Harry comes back is that of pure anger and frustration. (laughs) And uh, I think it's, I think it's a great, ending until and it's always my problem with the freaking book is that that it ends on such a tidy bow and i do appreciate that they used old age makeup instead of recasting the the actors because that was i think what they were originally going to do and they were like no, we've got just- 45 minutes on the epilogue don't worry we'll, we'll and- get there <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but, for the, but for the most part this is the second best. This is the the culmination of everything that David Yates has done uh, before and since uh, in the Harry Potter world. And we, the other sequence I'm assuming we will all talk about is I think the best sequence in the entire series. And that is the Severus Snape uh, sequence in this movie. Snape. Which, Snape. Where Severus in the ever living hell was Adam uh, was Alan Rickman's, Freaking Oscar nomination for this movie. He is so damn good. And every decision before that scene is meticulously calculated. And then it gets to the point at the end with it in those tears. And he's like, take them. And how do you not take your, your breath away? Take your heartstrings along with it. So it's a good movie. Movies are good guys. I don't know if you know that, but movies are pretty damn good. I like movies a lot as well. In, <laughs> and yeah, scene. Yes, and scene. Yes. And Ryan, scene, our- podcast, <laughs> like, review, and subscribe. All right? it, would not, it, it would not be a Ryan McQuaid podcast if he did not just do, you know, a, a, a soliloquy, a, a monologue as <laughs> as long and, and gorgeous as that. I can keep going if you want. I can keep <laughs> it going. He's got two or three more for sure. But this... uh yeah, this movie, I rewatched it as well. Uh, I watched it earlier today. He didn't ask as a you yet. Yeah, he could have gone to Nicole. Well, you he already said, ahead. no, no. He already said the order beforehand. Yes. I don't he was signposting before. We know, what, I, we know what's going on. <laughs> just trust us, Ryan. I think it's pretty but, rude, James. <laughs> but this, um, I mean, I, I love this movie. I, I love it. It's, for me, I think it's number three in the series, in my opinion. Um, Ryan's a great number one. Uh, yes, Crimes of Grindelwald one, uh, Fantastic Beast two, Deathly Hallows three, uh, coming in in the th- or Death- Deathly Hallows two coming in the third slot. No, it's um, I mean, I love this movie. It was interesting watching it today because normally, I rarely watch these movies by themselves. They're normally all, you know, you do the marathon, you do all of them. Normally, at some point during the year, my wife will be like, "Quit making me watch all of the crap." that you watch. I don't want to watch a net. 
I don't want to watch whatever A24 movie you're going to make me watch. Can we please, for the love of God, watch Harry Potter? And I'm like, absolutely. You're right. You're right. I've put you I've put you through enough this year. I mean, it's either Harry Potter or Hocus Pocus, and you would much rather watch. Oh, Harry yeah. Potter. Hocus Pocus. We we fight over Hocus Pocus, but uh, <laughs> Harry Potter, I'm more than happy to uh, to take a stab at. And watching it today, you know, I, I, I didn't do the whole watch through. I just watched this one. And I will say I like it slightly less when I watch it by itself. But that's kind of just the nature of a series like this, I think. And I I think I liked it a little bit less because it is so action forward it's so much about the battle uh at hogwarts and i think that's great especially when you're watching them all in a row and it's this big grand finale and i think it's extremely well done although i will say some of the deaths i don't think are given the due that they kind of deserve um i think that's one of the issues with the movie um but i mean it is how many franchises can you say genuinely like really did a great job especially one of this scale, how many of them really did a great job of closing out the series? And this absolutely did that. I mean, especially if you were in the moment, so obsessed with Harry Potter, going to that midnight screening, tears are flowing, people are standing up clapping. I mean, it is like such a perfect piece of crowd-pleasing cinema. Um and it's just a, it's it's really a joy to watch and it really does put me back in a certain mindset of when i saw this movie for the first time and you're so right about that the the pensive sequence uh where they do the flashbacks with snape and not only are they very strong from a character standpoint and from an emotional standpoint i think they're shot really interestingly that sequence yeah. in particular i think is just a really interesting piece of filmmaking which you can't really say about a ton of david yates stuff uh, but this certainly uh, has elements of that. And I appreciate how they will we'll talk about some of the differences between the books and the movies. But this is a great piece of translation to film because it doesn't indulge in kind of the moralizing monologues that J.K. Rowling really likes to put into her books because that's what you have to do in a book. Right. And here it's a lot more visceral with the confrontations between Voldemort and and Harry and just um it's it's a great piece of action adventure filmmaking a re, a really uh, a real achievement in kind of closing out a franchise that's this big this important this beloved uh, i i love this movie that was a great answer <laughs> i love it <laughs> go ahead nicole all right so this movie is special to me in some ways in that I talked about whenever I've been on the show before that I didn't get into Harry Potter until I was in high school. And so this is the one movie that I saw in the theater when it came out uh, of the mm. whole series. Uh, and I cried buckets then. And, you know, <laughs> it, it's it's still a very emotional film. And I will also say it because I know that before last time I was on, I said um, I needed to watch this again to confirm what my favorite movie was. And after having seen both of them recently, I can confirm this is my second favorite Harry Potter movie. My first favorite is Prisoner of Azkaban. I'm um, with you. I'm with you there, Nicole. That is, that is, that is correct. The correct answer. Correct. Um, yeah. Anyone and I think that doesn't agree with that is wrong. Is wrong. Um, wrong. And I think it's interesting because Prisoner of Azkaban is the one that I watch a lot, like on its own. It's what it's the only Harry Potter movie really that I'll watch like out of context of the others a lot. It's the most uh, solo so, mission of all of them, right? 
Like, right. Yeah. And I don't think I'd ever seen this one since like seeing it in the theater, not with Deathly Hollows part one, like not having watched the two of them back to back. So I forgot that this movie like jumps you straight back into where Deathly Hollows part one leaves off. And the thing about forgetting that is that it puts you straight into Shell Cottage. Um, so people who know me might know uh Donald Gleason is one of my favorite actors and I love him a lot. And I forgot that he was in the beginning of this movie and I literally had like started it. And I was like looking at, uh, I was pulling, I was actually pulling up the um, note stop Christian um, on my computer and I heard his voice and I gasped so dramatically, <laughs> like, and almost tumbled off my couch. Um, and then I literally had to pause the movie because I was laughing at myself so hard because I literally was like, <gasps> um, like I forgot that he's in these movies at all or something. Um, but that's me, the Bill Weasley simp. Um, and, you know, there is so much to appreciate in this film. I think, like, you know, both Ryan and Jay have said, it does a really fantastic job at closing out this series. I will say the older I get, um, the more issues I have with it. Uh, and particularly, like, the last bit of it. Um, we'll talk about how much I hate the epilogue. Uh, but I also don't love the way that Voldemort's like death is done. Um, and I also, I think actually this movie just in general has an issue with deaths in that. I think that two of the most impactful deaths of the whole series are really glossed over. Um, one of them you don't even see happen. Um, uh, anyone who's listened to me on this show before knows exactly what I'm mad about right now. <laughs> but two of my favorite characters are killed off. I don't even need to listen off, to the episodes to and know. We, right. Two of my favorite characters are killed off and, and we like off screen, which infuriates me. Um, and also, you, you know, I've, I've got a, a handful of other issues with it. Um, I also think that it's very interesting that the, this movie lets Dumbledore off a lot easier than the book does. Um, and I am well on record of being a Dumbledore hater. Um, and I like to see him held accountable for his actions. Uh, but overall, like, I think there's so much to praise in this movie. It has one of my favorite sequences of the whole series, which is the bit where you have um, Helena Bonham Carter acting as Hermione, acting as Bellatrix, mm. which I think is just <laughs> delightful. Um, and, you know, it, it also has some, like, really beautiful moments. Obviously, we talked, like, y'all have already talked about Alan Rickman is stunning in this movie. But, like, I love getting to see Maggie Smith have fun in that clip that, you know, you played Christian reminding yeah. of that. Like, she is having a blast in this movie, it seems like. Yeah, she's better at uh, this than, like, Down Abbey. I, I love listen, her Down Abbey. Maggie Smith is always perfect. That's she actually a fact great. of life. But that, um, that 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 opening clip is it's funny because my wife was sort of she was putting up some Christmas decorations while we were watching this movie and at that one moment she was just like Jay shut up this is the best part of the whole movie <laughs> yeah, I've always wanted to is, to do that spell or well, it's what. also like like we don't as these movies have gone on we've gotten less and less of her mm-hmm. you know and and what so sucks about that is like McGonagall is one of my favorite characters. And she's just thrown away and wasted in the books, some too, but, but, you know, especially in the films, like, and you have Maggie fricking Smith as this, you know, it's, it's like, it's like the Emma Thompson thing, right? It's like you have Emma Thompson playing this character and we don't see her except besides what we see in Prisoner of Aspen, we see her once in once um, order of the yeah. in, in order of the phoenix and do we see her in this is she in this yeah she's in for like a hot I don't, second i couldn't remember catching her or not i forgot jim broadbent is in this for like 
all of a half a second yeah. and i'm like how do you like, get jim broadbent on your set yeah. and then be like all right we're gonna we're gonna do one shot of you okay all right you can did go we, did we also yeah. forget about everything that happened in six and then wrap that one up, like that storyline no, yeah, oh, yeah. Times, she's in it for like it's after the battle when they're attending like it's like a pan oh, shot. Oh, that's right. That's right. For like a yeah. half a second, I was like, oh, "That's yeah. incredible." I mean, that's so good. You, you know, she's still getting uh, checks in the mail for that, though. <laughs> that's why she never you know did why she anything does it. for such a long time. She got so much damn money from this. She's like, "I don't need to work." The <laughs> HP money's in the in the mailbox. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. Um. It's yeah. And oh, sorry, uh, Nicole. Were you done? Or I wasn't. I just wanted to make sure that you were. Oh yeah. no no I'm I'm I mean I've got plenty more to say but it can wait. <laughs> <laughs> She's like I'm holding back. She's got issues. She wrote them down in bullet points. <laughs> yeah. Um. For me, you know, as obviously as you know, I've been running this whole thing. I've been rewatching them, and you know, I watched part two today, and it's it's just always sad. Um. You know, getting to the end, like you know, like we're here. But at the same time, you know, like, of course, with like Dobby's death, me and Brandon talked about it on part one where, you know, this this movie literally picks up, you know, where the last one left off. And you you see Dobby's grave and the fact that they buried him without magic says a lot. And, you know, it says here lies Dobby, a free elf. Um, when it comes to this movie, every time, like, I mean, I remember this came out what 2011. So it was a year after I graduated high school. And I was just, I was going through like my old like Facebook memory things. And for Deathly Hollows part one, like I, I commented, I was like, <laughs> hold on. I, I got to prepare myself for this one. It, it was, I, I literally said, Harry Potter is the <laughs> Harry Potter. I was like, I was literally like, I love Harry Potter. <laughs> I was like, oh wow, I was a, I was a bit of a critic back then, but Damn. Oh, I just I no, I loved it so much. It's like, I mean, it, that was like my thing, like back in high school, and you know, seeing it with my friends, midnight release and everything. Like, I was I was on Clout Nine and rewatching it. You know, it just I rewatch these movies every year. I I unfortunately don't go back and read the books as much as I would like like to because of I mean, the books they they take a little bit more time as the series gets on and, you know, we're getting older and more responsibilities, but going through this entire series has kind of prompted me to want to re uh, read the books again. But overall, you know, like um, between part one and part two, like this is definitely the more entertaining bit. And like Ryan said earlier, part one is more artful, you know, it is more the setup that movies run time is around, I think two hours and 30 minutes. And this one's about two hours and 10 but like the pacing, much like the very much like Sorcerer's Stone, like it just keeps going. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, you know, I've seen it so many times. So like I'm used to like the pacing and whatnot. But I'm like, man, I'm like almost halfway down this movie already. I checked, had to get up, use the bathroom or whatever. I was like, wow, like I'm I'm this far in already. I probably it. more. Huh? You had to go to the bathroom near and you didn't go all the way through. Yeah, think? bro. <laughs> the magic of home media. I watched half of it, went to go see Belfast, then came back and watched the rest of it. So if you, if you want an example, I took <laughs> well, a much longer magic. break. <laughs> I just stopped for food. So. <laughs> and I watched it all the way through the way David Yates, the auteur, would want it to be. <laughs> to be fair, I think I've seen this movie 15 times. Yeah, like I saw this movie like yeah. I saw this movie like four times in theaters. 
Okay. It was Incredible. a lot. Every family member I went with, I was like, yes, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. <laughs> I can't, I can't jump in. Like if I just sat down, it's like, oh, I want to watch Prisoner of Azkaban. It's like, no, like I had to start at Sorcerer's Stone, like every mm-hmm. single time. I've never, mm-hmm. I've never watched, like I'll watch Star Wars movies out of order, but I can't watch Harry Potter out of order, like at all. Same thing with Lord of the Rings. I have to start at the beginning. I always have to. Mm-hmm. It's that's just my mindset. So it's like, you know, if I'm going to start it, I'm going to finish it like 100 percent. But I, I love like, you know, like like you guys said, um, the death scenes. And we kind of talked about this in part one where a lot of them are just they're just off camera, you know, and, and it's everything with like Alistair. And of course, um, with uh, Remus. R.I.P. Well, I'll, I'll let uh, <laughs> Nicole tackle that one here in a second. And Tonks. And like, there's, there's so many deaths here that, I mean, for PG-13, it's not, like, it's it's as dark as it's going to be. But I really wish we would have gotten more. I mean, like, this is Remus Lupin we're talking about. I, I also think, like, Deathly Hollows Part 1 is a lot darker in some ways than Deathly Hollows Part 2. Like, they, it just feels weird to me that they were like, we can give you this really intense torture scene in Part 1. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we can't give you, like, any of the deaths on camera in Part 2. <laughs> well, it's weird because they they automatically, just the nature of magic, you avoid the blood that'll get you an R rating immediately. And they're still just, right. like, afraid. Or I don't know. I don't know why they're not willing to show those deaths on screen. But Lupin was my favorite character in the books. Like he was my number one favorite character. And then for him to be off that unceremoniously was mildly heartbreaking to me at the time. It now was. it's just part of the canon. It's just like, it is what it is. But um, it, it was disappointing and it is still yeah. disappointing because he's the best yeah. and I love him. Yeah. Yeah. Get over <laughs> it. Um, just move on with your lives. Uh, no, but uh, no. <laughs> I, I think what's interesting is like I I remember reading Inter- Entertainment Weekly way 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 back when when the sixth book was coming out, and they were talking about like the the reviewer of the book came out and said I don't know how you don't make part six, one two movies, but then I don't know how you don't make it rated R, because these this book is dark and you're saying six or seven number six number six Mm -hmm. this was uh, half-blood prince Prince, yeah Mm -hmm. i don't understand how the movie got away with a pg rating they did a pretty good job that is insane by the way that that movie is pg because there's like literally that scene with dumbledore like that's enough yeah and malfoy and stuff like that like it's like yeah yeah (laughs) you know (laughs) I don't know. Um, but uh anyway. Throw one out. Uh, <laughs> throw one out, pour one out for Malfoy. Throw one uh, out for Malfoy. <laughs> yeah, but, for my uh, fellow Slither. Throw one out for Tommy F. Uh, but anyway. But uh no, so I always I always was thinking that around this when this book was coming out or this movie was coming out, these two, especially this one, because like when you read the book. There is a lot of death. There's it's a war. It is the battle for for the soul of the wizarding world, the future, everything we've been building. It's like, thank you for the love of God. You finally wrote this ending that, like, I think it was Jay said that it's like it, they had the book to go through and and realize that, like, yes, we have the satisfying conclusion that everybody's wanted this movie for the most part is going to be pretty good 
and yeah, there's still disappointments and it's, it, and yet the emotionality of all these characters, the story, everything works better when, even with the nitpicks that you have, it's, it's one of those things where it's like us as fans will nitpick about seeing, not seeing the deaths or whatnot. But what we do get is to really, we get to see a full life because we get to see the full perspective of Severus Snape's in this movie. And we get to see this guy who for six, seven movies, we have presumed to be an asshole for the most part. And then it is completely, you know, the rug is pulled out from under us and we are able to discover like this person was actually more of a guardian angel and lo- and loved Harry more than even Dumbledore. That is mind blowing. Still an asshole, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, still an asshole. An but asshole he does I mean, the the, ma- the magic trick of turning Dumbledore into kind of a bad guy and turning Snape into the good guy is pretty great writing. It's a really, it's really great, great twist. Yep. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's wonderful because, like, yeah, like what we get with Dumbledore is like he basically was just like grooming him so that they can kill Voldemort at the end. Like that's using him as a sacrificial lamb. And it's really fascinating. And, and yeah, the, the connection of course, obviously with Lily and and everything. I mean, it's all. Yeah. It's, it's crazy because I think I talked about this. I think it was on our half blood Prince review where or e- even farther back where obviously, you know, we learn more about the Horcruxes and Half-Blood Prince. And then all this time, we like for the longest time, I was like, okay, you know, Harry's been told that a part of Voldemort lives inside of him. Not once has he come out and said, hey, am I a Horcrux? <laughs> but I do like how, at least in this movie, they kind of, you know, save grace by having him say, I think I've known for a while. And I think, you know, when they're talking about him um, sacrificing himself and it's kind of like one of those unspeakable things where he's like, okay, I know this, but he just doesn't want it to be true. The best thing about that scene is him being like, I think I've known this for a while. And I think, you know, too, to Hermione. And she's like, yeah. And Ron's just standing there clueless in the background. (laughs) Like, nope even gonna tell him like but no that is actually like one of my favorite scenes in the whole franchise yeah um, i wish we had gotten something more with ron as well because like you said he kind of just i know he's your boy <laughs> um i wax philosophic about this scene a lot and i i talk a lot about my love for harry and hermione's friendship um but i really think that's like a beautiful scene between the two of them and i think that like that's one mm. of emma watson's best moments as hermione um is you see that there is this understanding between the two of them that they don't have to say things out loud um yeah. and that she has she she knows everything about harry inside and out and you know when she says i'll go with you um fully understanding the sacrifice that he's about to make i just think that's like one of the most beautiful moments in the whole series yeah and like she she like broke down like she was just she was destroyed you know like him kind of just accepting this and harry's looking around at all this this you know this bloodshed and he's like i'm i'm tired of you know everyone dying for me and you know when we talk about snape he's also one of my other favorites but it it's crazy how everything turned out you know like obviously the entire time you're led to believe snape is like this 
you know, this conniving type of person who's always been a death eater. But, you know, when, when it comes to the love for Lily Potter, that's he, I mean, he, he plays the role so beautifully because he's super, super convincing. And then, you know, when, when Harry sneaks back into the castle and, you know, he confronts Snape and he says, you know, like, how dare you stand where he stood? And then Maggie Smith just goes off. I was like, <laughs> this is, you know, what we've been like, because we don't really see a lot of skill from um, Maggie Smith's character. And I wish we would have gotten more. Like you guys said, she like as the series series goes on, she takes more and more of a backseat. And I wish we would have seen more of her skill. Um, you know, we see mm-hmm. it in here, but it's. Yeah, it's sometimes it's it's a bit disappointing, but I mean, for the movie itself, I think they did a great job because we don't we don't get franchises like this anymore. Like, regardless, I think like the closest big franchise to Harry Potter I've seen in a long time is like Matt Reeves' Planet of the Apes. Like that was fantastic, but it's it's are so. You, are like, you talking about like with a finality? Just, just, just overall, like the finality, and just because I mean, you—I mean, we've all seen Rise of Skywalker. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming. And what are you talking uh, about? It's a great ending. Don't yeah. remind me. Um, pass. Yeah, I don't have enough alcohol. Let me talk about that right now. Well, I, I'll just say it's you know when it comes to part two, they they do a great job, you know, of for for a movie adaptation, like with all of its quirks and whatnot. I think it is a pretty good entertaining movie definitely more entertaining than, than the first um part but it's i don't know there's there's so much i mean like you know when they're going horcrux hunting and you're they, they kind of throw you for a loop because in the first part of deathly hollows um there's i mean you, you have the ring you have the book the diadem you have the locket nagini harry and I'm, I'm missing one aren't i is there seven, or is it Voldemort? Is Voldemort the seventh one? Isn't it in like the book? No, there's seven. The book? No, there's seven. I'm miss. Diary. I'm missing Diary, Diary the, the cup, the ring, the cup. That's what it was. The yeah. cup. Yeah. I was like, yeah, did you have yeah, the locket? Yeah, 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 and yeah, and the locket. Okay. I mean, I just like how. Locket, I mean, you it, put it in your pocket. <laughs> how it's, many Potterheads does it take to name all seven Horcruxes? I thought we got there with the cup. I thought we did it. <laughs> yeah, we got it. No, we did. Yeah, 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 yeah we, we got, got it. Well, I think I think the interesting thing that you mentioned there, Christian, is about this finality, right? It's like we all knew going into the damn film that it was gonna be good. You know what I mean? It, it's it's we all read the book. You know, it's it's kind of like people mm-hmm. that um that read Lord of the Rings, but none of us knew because none of us read Lord of the Rings, because who has that <laughs> time? Um, like when we're walking into the movie, we're like, How's it gonna end? I don't know. Um, those people were like, yeah, it's, yeah, we know it's going to be good because we read the book, but it's about a way it's executed, right? Because you can have. I Mockingjay mean, was a good book and those movies were not it. So. Okay. Okay. I first one, first one. I like the yeah. first one. Oh my gosh. I, I thought I they like were them. both terrible. See, I like both of them, but they do not stand up to the first two movies. No, and I they mean, don't stand up to Harry Potter. No, 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 no I would say. Well, I don't know. I think Catching Fire is like the be all end all of franchise oh, filmmaking. Catching, catching oh, interesting. Catching Fire is very good. I, I get the, far and away the, the best rolls. one in my opinion. The movie rolls. Um, but uh, <laughs> no, this movie, this movie is, it's like, I think 
what you mean to say, Christian, is we don't see but epic. Please finales. tell him what he means to say. Yeah, because <laughs> well, because I think saying I think saying comping this to Planet of the Apes is like that's three films of like trying to reboot a tired franchise. Well, and they didn't have a closed loop. Harry Potter had a closed loop. We knew when it was going to end. If, if war for the planet of the apes had made more money, there would probably be another planet of the apes movie. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, but it would have probably, it was always going to be a trilogy and it was going to, I don't know. Anyway, that's beside the point. The point is, is that like, I think this grand storytelling is what we don't get anymore. And I think that that's what people clamored for with like Dune, right? And you can get that with Marvel, but we all filled the machine. You know, even with Endgame, they still didn't end it. You know what I mean? Like they've, you know, Hawkeye's coming on Disney Plus this weekend. You know what I mean? Or whatever. So like it's it never ends with them. There's no finality. There's no, there's no really emotional connection that I think you can have and and feel something for those characters fully because if they die they could come right back you know what i mean there's, there's 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 stuff like that too with these characters especially in this movie even as you're watching it reading the book you never know it's sort of like what happened with game of thrones a little bit where you're like how much do they keep going off the book or do they go off the book to a certain point that offends everyone? That show did. This one doesn't. It has that blending of of being able to be its own thing, be this great, just expertly paced movie. Like this movie is so, this is how you are supposed to do a movie like this. It's supposed to be in and you're out and you're moving and things are happening and they're flying back. And maybe that is to the, discredit of some of the characters and yeah, having a slow down scenes. for the character moments. Yes. Yeah. But, but the only real characters that matter are the three are the main three. And really the only one at this film that matters is Harry. Like it really just is his show. But I would argue because it wasn't, that wasn't the case in the book. And that's one of the flaws of the movie. I, I understand that, but yeah. yep. Thank you. <laughs> but to make this movie move, like, because otherwise, if this, if you're slowing down and doing all that stuff, it's great for fans. But as a movie itself, I think the the pace would have died because of that. And then therefore you don't get this high octane drive that, that this movie I think has, because then when it does slow down and it has those moments with Snape, it, it, you feel it, but it's all because it's serving Harry and then his decisions and what he has to make. It never loses that focus. And for me, I'm willing to give that up because I have the book to be the book and I have the movie to be the movie. And the movie is trying to wrap up Harry's story first and foremost. And I am totally okay with that. I'm totally fine. With so that. I disagree. And I think that's because <laughs> for me, um, taking out a lot of these deaths along the way and not really showing them to us, uh, to me, makes Harry's decisions in this movie make less sense. Because at the point where he makes this decision to sacrifice himself in the book, you get a real sense of the loss that he has witnessed and the way that this has affected everyone that he cares about. Like he's seen um, this person who's his pseudo sibling be killed um, and the way that his family that has taken him in is grieving for him. Um, He's seen the one last 
parental figure that he has left get killed who also like this is one of my other issues with this film is um at you know in the book we have the fact that harry is godfather to teddy lupin remus and tonk's son so he and and i think that's a very important bond because of the fact that sirius was his godfather and we know what that bond meant to harry Mm -hmm. um and so whenever harry sees lupin you know teddy lupin lose both of his parents like he he has that tie not just to remus and talks for themselves but also to what that means for this young orphaned boy which is the position that he is in whenever we meet him a young orphaned boy who has lost his parents because of voldemort so i think that like because we miss out on a lot of those things uh it loses a lot of its emotional depth um that leads harry to his decision and it feels like it's more like, I think that's my thing is I'm not like a huge action person. I really need emotion behind things to care. And I feel like this leans a little heavy into the, just like action, action, do this, do that with Snape being the only real moment of like emotional Mm. stakes, which to me just doesn't make sense. Whenever you have all these characters that Harry has had close relationships with also dying that like, you need that build up to the point where he sees that like, no, there, yeah. he doesn't see another option for himself because he's willing to do anything to stop the people that he loves from dying. Um, whereas in this, it feels much more of a like heroic, like now I will go give myself up for the greater good. Whereas I think in the book, there's more this idea that it's it's not the greater good as much. It's the good of these people that he right. knows on a personal right. level. I get mm-hmm. that, Nicole. What I'm saying is, is that that anecdote you just mentioned about being like a godfather, and stuff, it's not in the films. It's not in the film. Exactly. But still, Lupin is an integral part of the movie, and all that we get is them getting a sheet thrown over him. I mean, it's 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 no good. Yeah, and, and they, they mention his son like what? Like literally. Seriously. Also, too, the number one thing that has been it's terrible about the whole series in general. It's one of my number one giant complaints is Jenny Weasley. Because I think that that character is is so like just the fact that like, oh, they're now you know, and they're like, oh, they're now a relationship. No, that's been built in the books like you know in everything it's not just like oh we just decided you're going to be with ron's sister because we you know because you need him to be with somebody that isn't emma watson because of the fact that daniel radcliffe and emma watson have amazing chemistry on screen and yet in the books clearly she's supposed to be with ron and in the movies it's like well those two have clearly not enough romantic chemistry to you know justify any of that but you 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 know it's kind of just in the movies it's pushed and i don't like that and and even in this movie too there's like like when jenny kisses him and she's all like you know like you know go do your thing or whatever it's like you know she does her whole spider-man 2 thing you know i mean it's it's like i sit there and i go who are you like what are you like? You're slowing down the pace, and to and think that's the we point, got that's we, the point of we it. could have gotten Remus Lupin's death, and instead we got that weird reunion scene with Jenny. <laughs> like, I'll trade yeah. you that, and then there yeah. would be a better. This is better the, movie. the shortest Harry Potter movie, two hours ten. The absolute yeah. number one shortest. By the way, I yeah, looked up is. that marathon that you were on, Ryan. Nineteen hours and forty something minutes, I think. So yeah, so um, it felt like a whole day. You should be put in a federal. <laughs> is my opinion on that matter is a federal prison yeah. um well also my wife went with me and she's not a harry potter fan oh God. so actually that's she's that. wow she's sainthood that's true love yeah. that's true but love. i also <laughs> but i also took her to 
the Lord of the Rings extended edition marathon where they played the extended editions back to back to back on the big screen. And we did that. And so that made up for that. And I, and I also, I also had to sit through all of phase one on the big screen leading up to the premiere of, well, there you of, go. Um, of, of the Avengers. So I had to sit there and I had to watch Iron Man two and the incredible Hulk back to back. So who's the, yeah, that's, loser that's, right that's a tough, that's a tough draw there. First of all, let me just yeah. say more like Severus simp. Um, and then let me continue <laughs> to talk by saying, um, Ryan earlier, interestingly said that he like, as a fan, he finds stuff to nitpick, but when he looks at it on like a, with a wider lens, he sees the value of it. I'm kind of having an opposite opinion right now. When I put my little film critic glasses on, I'm like, well, there's this problem and this problem and this problem. And then I put my fan glasses on and I'm like, I don't care about any of that. This thing works like gangbusters for me. It pays off like a dang slot machine. Uh, at the end of the movie, I'm like, the ending of this movie is an absolute calamity. I'm just like, I cried anyway. I mean, I, it doesn't matter. I mean, it, it it really is just like the culmination of this thing that is so important with me. And I spent so much time thinking about and participating with, interacting with. And it just works from that perspective. It gets the easy stuff right which for the last film in a series like this is the most important thing. And it gets all of the big, the big stuff. I think it largely gets right. Could there be changes made? Could we have paid, done more justice for some side characters that we love? Yes. But at the end of the day, it is at its heart, the story of Harry, Ron and Hermione and their arc through this story and through the whole series is done so well that it really does. It, it pays out like gangbusters at the end. So, yeah, I, I agree with you there. It's it, it even like we keep, you know, we keep talking about side characters because, I mean, as I said before, seldom is it that, you know, like I, I don't think as of this conversation, Harry is no one's favorite character here. And it's, I, I don't know. I, I do agree with you guys. Cause like when I was watching it again, it's just, you know, like you, you have this grand finale, you know, you see like just with everything with Snape, that was, I, I think out of all of these side characters, they, I feel like they had to pay more attention to Snape than anyone else, just because Absolutely. of his love for um, Harry's mother. And it's, it is kind of just really messed up because I think Nicole had said on Prisoner of Azkaban, you know, the, the actual age of these characters in the books, especially with Harry's parents, they're in, they were like mid twenties. They're they, early twenties when they, early twenties when mm-hmm. they had Harry. Yeah, so. I think, I think Harry, I think Lily and James are 21 when they die. Yeah. Ooh, so they, they die like super young and, I feel like our perception of these characters when it comes to the big screen, um, I believe Nicole has said this, it kind of like warps your perception because, you know, like, oh, well, Harry's parents are supposed to be adults. So they're supposed to be at least like in their mid thirties, like forties, whatever, whatever. But it's like, they look so old for the... (laughs) What we lose is the fact that Harry's parents and Sirius and Remus and and all the other people, Mm. you know, uh, of that generation 
are only a few years older in the first Wizarding War than Harry, Ron, and Hermione are in the second Wizarding War. Like, I, and I think that that's actually significant because we see that, like, Dumbledore has raised not one, but two generations of child soldiers, essentially. Um, and and all the sacrifices that he asked of Harry's parents and their friends um, yeah. are the same sacrifices that he's asking of, of Harry and his friends all over again. And there's, like, a weird cyclical nature to it. And I think that whenever these other characters are presented as adults it makes it like a little bit i don't want to say like it makes it a little bit less tragic but like serious black going off and you know um doing oh my god that triggered my siri on my computer that's so funny no i said serious <laughs> not siri um but serious black you know reacting like he does to the potters being murdered i think makes a lot more sense whenever you think of him as a hot-headed 21 year old yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, I just, that is, and again, it happened, that scene, listen, I cry anyways, but the scene where he does go, uh, and he has the, oh my god, what's it called, the Resurrection Stone, mm. um, and they, sh you have James and Lily Potter, I'm like, they're too old, <laughs> like, <laughs> that's not, they should look, they should be not much older than Harry in that scene. Yeah, it's so... It's it's I mean, it's all about perspective, because um, I believe Sharia said on our uh, Half-Blood Prince review, you know, like, you have to like keep reminding yourself that these are kids like they're not you know like obviously like they are a little everyone's a little bit old like aged up here and there but it, it's it's so um it's it's just crazy to think about but i wanted to point it over to jay uh did you have any gripes like what were your gripes between the books and the movies because i know you kind of touched on that earlier besides uh the whole lupin fiasco yeah, I mean, I I think about there's there's an exchange early on in the film when he goes and sees Dumbledore's brother and mm. there's there's a there's a throwaway line. I think Harry says something along the lines of like I don't care about what happened to your sister or something like that. Mm. And it's like that was one of the most emotionally impactful parts of the book and they just I understand why they have to do it. Because it is on a side, it's almost like its own sort of chapter in the book that is meant to build on character and is completely devoid of any real plot. Um, I understand why that's something you cut out, but it is such a good part of the book that I, I kind of I, maybe I, I understand why they had to cut it out. They didn't have to be so flippant about it. They were just like. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't... Either cut it or don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just don't even mention it, really. I do think, though, that, like, it is... I wish that they'd found a way to incorporate it, even, like, obviously they go, like, quite into it in the book, and they didn't need to do it in that level of detail, but I do think it's, like, an important stepping stone that leads up to what we learn about Dumbledore and Snape's relationship, mm -hmm, because yeah. we see that, like, how Dumbledore has treated people over and over and over again. It's mostly um, manipulative... Yeah. Exactly. And I think that that sort of lays the groundwork for what we find out about his treatment of Snape. And then, you know, that leads us into what we know about his treatment of Harry. So I do wish that they'd found a way to like integrate it at least a little, like we could have had like a few lines about it instead of, I agree, Jay, like bringing it up and not doing it. Yeah. It's weird. Worse. Yeah. I mean, they, they did such a good job with it in part one. They did such a good job with the background of the deathly mm -hmm. hollows. They could have maybe done something yeah. along those lines. That so sort of like a God. side maybe story. Maybe like an animated cut. Like something, they did. Yeah, because, yeah. Because with, because if they got the painting, they could have done a little. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, yeah. because so I like, believe uh, with their sister, she she was an obscurus. And then mm-hmm. there, there was mm-hmm. the whole um, fight between the, I guess you can say the Dumbledores. So they don't really know who killed her. I'm not like, was it, I can't, it's been a while since I've read the books, but did, did they explain that it was Dumbledore that killed um, their sister? And I'm sorry, I'm blanking on her name as well. Cause they just literally gloss Ariana? over. And, Ariana. Yeah. It's Ariana. Ariana. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember if they specifically yeah. said in the books or not, if it was that Dumbledore killed Ariana or was it, you know, this whole disagreement. I can't really remember. That's I'm drawing a blank. That's why we have, have Google. <laughs> <laughs> well, look at everyone's beautiful faces right now. <laughs> to the wiki. Um, it's like, we need the wiki. <laughs> the wiki, no. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm Listen, monitoring I, the time and making sure everyone's, you know, wavelength and everything. I'm sorry. <laughs> so one of the things that I, I really found interesting about the film and one of the things that is a memory of seeing the movie and just an image that I can't get out of my head is sort of like the way Hogwarts looks like it is part of like a Nazi regime basically now. And it sort of feeds into that. It's like, there are all these children walking or like almost like walking goose stepping throughout this entire place. This is a place that is supposed to be happy it is like, we have seen this, this place Hogwarts be a beacon of, escapism for our entire group of characters and yet this place has turned into almost like a bunker a refugee sort of center because like the way the Gryffindor corridor (laughs) just looks you have like this hole eating outside you have you have everybody like sort of bunkered in together like you can't like you can't laugh you can't you know do anything it feels like because otherwise someone's gonna like you know, beat the hell out of you. And then I think one of my favorite scenes, because I think it's one of the better Daniel Radcliffe performances in the series is the confrontation in the great hall between Snape and Harry. And it is that, that how dare you stand where he stands. Right. And this is before we know everything, of course, the turn and everything, but it's so like, you would feel like that in that moment. Like how could you, you betrayed this man, this man that everyone in this room loved one way or another, you betrayed him. And yes, it's part of your master plan, but it's still terrible. And and it's, and Snape's just like internally having to eat it. You know, it's like, he can't reveal he's, he is a one Snape is a wonderful poker player. Because like the guy is like got these cards and he just can't reveal it. But I just love the way it it looks. And then when he's about to fight Harry, McGonagall steps in, and that is the moment where Snape's like, "No, I cannot do this. I cannot go and even remotely try to attempt to fight. I killed Dumbledore already at the bequest of him, but now I have to fight up against." someone that I also consider someone that I look up to. I can't do that. And the way that McGonagall sort of brings light back into the entire building, it's like, it's just, it's like, thank you. Like this, it's so perfect. It's the perfect thing of of bringing the good back into the world. Every time though, it gets me, it gets me every single time when, 
they're like, what do we do with the Slytherins? Take them to the dungeons. Because I'm like, okay, so are we not going to let them like decide? Like, are, are we not going to, you know, give any of them a ch- No, a then it becomes like they're all because- inherently bad. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that doesn't seem right after, after we've like, especially in the same movie where we're like, surprise, Snape is actually the good <laughs> guy. Um, that we're not going to give any of the other Slytherin kids a chance. Um, I was thinking, I was, I was thinking in that scene, like, I might have homeschooled my kid for a year. All things considered, you know, maybe, maybe don't send him back to Hogwarts. You missed it on the Prisoner of Azkaban podcast. I was like, listen, Lucius Malfoy is wrong about many things, but he is also the only parent showing the level of concern that I would be for my <laughs> child at Hogwarts. Like, he's the only one who like notices that like, you know, people keep ta- saying like, oh, Hogwarts is the safest place in the wizarding world. And I'm like, if that's true, then I'm deeply concerned for everyone yeah. else in the yeah. wizarding world. <laughs> yeah, you got all these, you got all these secret passageways with like snakes in there and like three-headed dogs and like a, ch- a, a ridiculous chess game. You know Every I mean? year like, for seven years in a row. There's a, there's a challenge that almost kills every person in the school. <laughs> Yeah, and yet it's, it's the like safest the de- place. It's the death of Olympics. You know what I mean? Like that's what it is. It must it's be like, terrible yeah. for the first years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Harry's last year. It's, it's like, like the worst summer camp alive because it's year round. It's yeah. I mean, what Jay was saying, like the whole like homes. I don't even know if they homeschool wizards. To be completely honest, I think they just ship them off to school and like give you know, them give like, them a year off something. Isn't it? Isn't like half the thing about it is it's like they have to be a certain age before they can start using the magic, and then they have to be like trained within school. So therefore, yeah. like they can't mm-hmm. be a wizard if they don't go to school. It's a real elitist way of thinking. You know what I mean? Not a lot of alternative thinking in in the wizarding world. You know what I, I don't mean? know. Go school, let them like, hang out with Eddie Redmayne. Um, yeah, I I'd be shipping my kids to Overmorty Bobaton somewhere else. <laughs> she said any <laughs> other magical school that isn't Hogwarts. Please. They can learn French; it'll be fine. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> can we talk about um, my favorite scene in this movie? The last scene? No. <laughs> which no? Which is no? It is. I mentioned it earlier, but it is the it is the Voldemort sort of like celebratory thing because in a movie that is very dark and everything i actually weirdly laugh a lot during that maybe it's just because i'm a cold-hearted bastard but like i i laugh so much at how much fun ray finds is having oh he's so theatrical his his line reading of is all time it's so good no but like the stuff with like uh with draco and like the the hug, the hug. The hug that apparently was unscripted. The fact yes. that that is apparently Tom Felton's genuine reaction to him hugging him in that manner. It's um, terrifying. It's and it's 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 so good. It's it's so good. And then like, yeah. I also just I'm sorry, I have to side note now to say, um, I think that the way that the Malfoys as a family are handled in this film is like really interesting and actually one of the few things that I think is like better than the book. I love that Narcissa and Lucius roll up to this battle and they're like, we care about one thing and one thing only. We're going to find our kid and we're going to eat the hell out of here. I can stop myself. Um, (laughs) And like, like, and it is this thing of like, you know, every time I watch it, I think about the fact that they both roll up to this battle without a wand. They, they don't have anything. Um, 
No, because he hands and, it. He hands it over. Because, right, and because and because uh, Voldemort has already broken Lucius's wand, and Draco has Narcissa's wand at this point. So they've both rolled up. Um, they're like, we have literally one goal, and it's to find our kid. Um, and I also like Jason Isaacs in this movie just looks broken, um, which I, I they just look like they put soot all over his face and yep. said, "Go I, I in love there, him dude." In this movie, though. He's incredible. Like I love Jason Isaac so much in general, but he's yeah, he's got the same energy as he does in Mass. Yep. Yeah. Oh. Yep. <laughs> yep. This is this is me shouting out my campaign for him. I don't know. He's a little bit more <laughs> um, cheery, I guess. And I don't know. I mean, um, I mean but like, no, and I is- I think that like also I love Narcissus Malfoy in this movie because I think that we do see that like we have a lot of examples of good mothers in. Harry Potter, obviously making sacrifices and stuff for their children. And we have mm-hmm. Lily Potter and we have Molly Weasley. Um, but in this one, we sort of see that Narcissa Malfoy loves her son as much as uh, Lily Potter loved hers or Molly Weasley loves any of her children, arguably more than Molly Weasley loves some of her children. Um, yeah. They're in them. Just like the whole thing about like they're, they're presented to most of us throughout this entire series as bad guys mm-hmm. and villains and terrible parents and everything. And they're really not, they're just survivors. That one shot when like the rest of the battle is going on and Narcissa, Narcissa has Draco like by the hand and it's just like marching off that like across that bridge and yeah. like mm-hmm. Lucius is like scurrying behind them. I just love it so much because she is she is in full like Banff mom mode. Like mm-hmm. she's like I, I came I got what I came for. I'm out. Um, and I I think that that's so fun. Yeah, she's like I literally don't care what happens. And she's like oh oh. He that kid woke up. Good for him. We're leaving. You know what I mean? Like okay. Yeah, and God, watching it though made me miss Helen McQuarrie so much. Like Mm -hmm. all of that. Yeah, it's different now. Um, with with both her and Alan gone now, it's it's um, yeah, it's it's very sad to watch. Every time you know, like you you go back and kind of you know watch these films where you know the the actor actress has you know passed on it's it's hard sometimes because it's like man it's 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 like it's it's almost you know it's it's like they never left and you know you see that throughout this entire series and i actually actually wanted to talk about so what so i was talking to brendan about this about the the elder one situation and how in part two we finally actually get more into the wand choosing the wizard type thing as if, as Harry put it, you know, as if wands had feelings, we don't really get a lot of that in the films, but Brenda was saying he felt like it was a bit shaky how the elder wand ended up in Harry's possession because uh, Voldemort thinks that, you know, since Snape killed Dumbledore then the elder mm-hmm. one is in his position but obviously he doesn't know that Draco disarms Dumbledore prior so it was actually swearing allegiance mm-hmm. to Malfoy and mm-hmm. then I guess <laughs> when Harry took the wand from Malfoy and Malfoy Manor I guess that's kind of like when it switched over to Harry at some point I really don't know it was kind of weird it is it is weird and convoluted. Like you yeah. need like a freaking diagram to map it out. It's like Charlie Day, just <laughs> get the diagram. <laughs> this is what yeah. happens. But yeah, I always thought that was kind of weird, but it 
I mean, it makes sense, but um, I, I really wanted to talk about um, just Severus's memories because I think that whole scene with, you know, his his past with Lily and, you know, every just kind of like his experience. It's like every time I watch it, it's like, man, like Snape is like the man who like essentially saved the Wizarding World. Like, it, I mean, at least to me, but it's it it kills me every time when you see how even though he is hard on Harry, it comes out of love, but it's, I, I don't know. I've, I've just always enjoyed the, um, that sequence and essentially Harry being the only person that knows about Snape, because I don't think that he kind of like explains that to everyone else about who Severus really was instead of giving, um his one of his kids you know the the middle name of albus severus <laughs> nicole going, I, I got, like I got a headache him. just thinking about the name albus severus <laughs> yeah I mean, that kid is so good and swirly you you were named after the two men who manipulated me the most while they were alive <laughs> More so Dumbledore, because, I mean... You one day will grow up to be a gaslighter yourself. (laughs) (laughs) What's just so terrible about it is Albus Severus (laughs) Potter. Like, it just doesn't flow, dude. Like Hagrid is crying somewhere when he hears the name for the first time. It's serious. (laughs) Hagrid's like, what the hell do I have to do? To get to do, a, can I get a middle name? You know what I mean? Like it's ridiculous. Yeah, this yeah. Is a du- God, that epilogue's so stupid. I mean, so what, what? I guess like, what do you guys think about the epilogue? Um, I it's hate so, it. Yeah, I, it's so bad. I mean, it works as a fan, but it is bad. It is bad. It oh, it's bad. You're really gonna tell me Harry Potter grows up to marry his high school girlfriend and become a cop? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah that's right he's an or i was like well yeah. do you want to get into do you, if we want to do a cursed child episode i'm in just know that no one will be talking for three and a half hours as i just go on a tyrannical i've actually only got like 20 pages in and then i just oh I my stopped. god one of my least one of my least favorite pieces of fiction i've ever taken in it really? is truly it's i think it is so bad yeah it's right up there with the second harper lee book that was released <laughs> like it, oh, no or, in terms uh, of like the on, anticipation- on a list of on a list of books that should never have been released yeah it's like it's it's something that like look i understand like if she really wanted to make that a book she should have made it a book yeah but it's instead she made yeah. it this this stupid ass play and really it's almost like a play of hypotheticals like it's not really a play of of absolution, but it's it is her, it is her Star Wars prequels where that. Okay, she no, takes, it's worse than that. No, no, okay. it, it is, is as bad it's as an that. Epi- because it's an episode of it's an episode of uh, uh, Harry Potter. What if? Yeah, it's, it's like, it's like fan except it's canon. That she herself yes, wrote. exactly. It's yes, like exactly. Fan fiction, but like the thing is, it's bad fan fiction. It's bad <laughs> fan fiction. Yeah, it's un, it's un, it's it's the fact that she wrote so many other books that didn't do well at all, and she had to go tappy tap tap back to the well. And the problem is the well ran dry because every because there is nobody in the world that is a massive Harry Potter fan that can sit there and 
actually defend the epilogue and th- and think that they'll walk away without getting their wand taken in <laughs> any of their and their pets and all this other things that you know that are a part of this world because it is the point of this is I don't give a crap about their futures. They said this is it. This this it right here. No, that's I fine. It's it's even, all too. It's all wrapped in too neat a bow, though. It's like it's too. Yeah, everything like, from the last happy. seven years shaped the rest of their lives. And I also I read this whole essay this time on basically how like the epilogue just doesn't ring true for millennials' reality in terms mm-hmm. of like everything is tied up really nicely. Everybody's got their two point five kids and they're you know mm-hmm. sending them off and and they all apparently had children very young. Um, and have settled into the people that they were dating when they were 18. And Mm -hmm. it just, none of that feels right. Like there's no exploration of the fact that like, let's be honest with any sort of real characterization. These are a group of people who would have really intense trauma that they would be dealing with and, uh, into their adult lives. And like, you know, I, 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 you just cannot tell me that like, there's also these people who, have had issues with authority their entire adolescence um and then immediately just go into nice neat government jobs um like none of it feels in character i think that's the thing that gets me is that like none of it feels like a natural progression um it feels like oh well we got to figure out what to do with these characters yeah it's kind of like the the wizard equivalent of the white picket fence with the you know whatever it's it's the the Wizarding World Dream, or whatever the the American Wizarding World Dream. It's <laughs> it's very silly. Also, power ranking of who looks the worst in the epilogue. Draco looks the worst with his horrible, horrible, god awful beard. You to him. What did he end up with? I can't remember. Ginny is second. She looks so bad. She looks like the one who's playing dress up the most. She. Yeah. Um, yep. Yep. Uh, I think Radcliffe Ron, actually doesn't. Ron looks. Radcliffe's not the worst. I, I think Emma Watson and Radcliffe look okay because they didn't try to age yep. up Emma Watson that much. They just sort of. At no. All. Yeah. No. They were like, they if were we just put like, her hair in a French twist, she'll look old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they were like, no, we just actually made her have a good hair day. Um, and then, <laughs> and then, yeah, Rupert Grint, they're like, do you mind if we just add like 40 pounds? Because this yeah, guy's and we're just going to make you a little tubby. We're going to make you look tubby and tired. <laughs> They were like, we're going to give you the beer belly that we know this character would have. Yeah. (laughs) So the butter beer belly. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. It's um, Harry has three kids, doesn't he? Well, at least in the. Yeah. yeah, He's been getting the work. three. You know? Yeah. Which is whenever you think about how old Jenny would be, I've got real questions. I feel bad Um, for her, man. She's just pumping them out. Yeah. 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 They're only like a year apart. Yeah. Yeah, I don't even remember how old are how old are they supposed to be in that last sequence? How much longer is it after? It's supposed nineteen to be? years. Nineteen years. Nineteen okay. years later. So Harry was seventeen. And so, so they're thirty-five. Yeah. So they're thirty-five, yeah, so- and their second child is eleven. Yeah. Wow, I got the business. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I think, I think Jolly like- Rowling is projecting. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because well, yeah, I remember people were talking about towards the end of like even the books and the um, the series, you know, the, the films franchise itself. Um, you know, it was kind of like, oh, like not everyone needs to end up with someone at the end. Like not everyone needs like essentially a happy ending. Like she knew how she wanted to end the books, you know, with ending with, um, you know, all is well. And it's like, OK, that's you know, that's that's great. 
you know, and you know, the scar never bothered Harry for the rest of his days. But I do remember when Deathly Hollows the book came out and alongside the movie, people were kind of complaining about the well, like you guys said, like the white picket fence type, you know, happy ending for everyone because it's like I, I'm assuming that Longbottom ended up with Luna because they kind of hint at it a little bit during part two because he's like no, trying to figure out no. There's this whole thing about how because she won't shut up and she keeps coming up with stuff that I am convinced she comes up with like while she's in a panel. Um mm-hmm. and then like Pottermore has a bunch more shit. Um, oh yeah, yeah. But yeah. Luna marries Ralph Scamander, um, mm. who is like, yeah, and who is like a random person. It's like, oh, he's the grandson of this person who wrote the wow. textbook that's mentioned in this book. Yeah, it's yeah, the yeah. Dumbest thing. And it's like, and they have twins. That is sweaty. Um, Whoa. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm just like, why? Like, where did you get any of this from? <laughs> I feel like she I just wakes know. up and she goes, you know what? She's got a darts. You know, <laughs> after watching Ted Lasso, darts is a very big thing over there. And I just feel like she got a dartboard, put all of her character names up and just threw them at the damn wall and said, those two, then be banging. Let's go. All right. That one, this, this one over there, you know, like, and you just look at it and you're like, what in the hell is wrong with you? It is that, I mean, Jay, you, you said the word and it's, and it's very, it's, it's projecting. It is, it's also like the worst thing that a creator can do for their brand is one to feed into the fan base to not let it breathe, not let it be its own thing. Have to keep talking about that's where the Lucas and star Wars, that's the George RR R. Martin sort of thing of it all. Uh, even to a certain extent, like Peter Jackson with the Lord of the Rings uh, and, and, and making the Hobbit films and making the three most insufferable films of all time. And, and then making this, this spinoff series that she did, you know, where she wrote the screenplays for him, um, where the screenplays, sorry, Jay, are crap. And and no, just, those movies are like very mediocre. I mean, I, I understand. Yeah, like they're adding all this stuff and you're just going, wait, that doesn't but that doesn't make sense to the, the what you've done. It's so dumb. My favorite thing is I just have real questions so about Dumbledore and his aging um, based on what he looks like when we first see him in Harry Potter and what he looks like in those movies. Like, Look, as, as long as Mads Mikkelsen and, and Jude Law bone in one of these things or we see a flashback, <laughs> I'll be fine with that. It's, yeah. Talk about the, the, the crime. What is it? What's the next one going to be called? The All right. Well, Ryan just got uninvited from the Fantastic Beast 3 episode. <laughs> no, like so... Well, well, like, it's, it's called the stickers of Dumbledore, right? It's very, yes, that's um, right. yeah, it's well, I mean, so because I know Christopher Columbus was talking about how now, like, all the actors for okay, he, he wants to direct the cursed child <laughs> because all the actors and actresses are the same age as they oh, should be. And I, I mean, I get it, like, I mean, it's it's Warner Brothers you know, milking their franchises yet again, you know, like we couldn't stop at three matrix movies. We're getting a fourth one. And of course, you know, the hey. Lord of the Rings, Hey, they tried with the Hobbit. Hey. What? The fourth matrix movie. How dare you speak? Ill about no, I mean, I'm, I'm excited for it. It's just that, I mean, like, Ryan, I'm getting worried about that one. My man, shut up, Jay. It's going to be great. It's, it's just, I guess just, you know, look, everyone's trying to expand the universe of these, you know, amazing franchises that they have. And I totally get it. 
but it's like honestly i think disney's the only one that's doing a good job with it with especially with star wars but actually i think star wars is in a little bit of trouble but i'm not entirely sure but oh you think well because you know (laughs) moving from film to tv i think it's the right move for them because i mean even for the longest time when rise of skywalker like when they announced it they didn't like announce it It as like oh yeah this is going to be the last one until like i feel like it was like halfway through the marketing i was like as long as those three are still alive oscar isaac daisy ridley and john boyega that uh, that ain't the last one. I, I oh, don't no, know that no, Oscar no. Isaac's ever going back. No, Oscar <laughs> Isaac's called, done. It's Oscar called, Isaac is very done. And, and, and Although he went to Marvel. He, yeah, he's doing Marvel, so he's still in the Disney Okay, game. no, but my favorite thing ever that I've seen in an interview of all time is when an interviewer on the Rise of Skywalker press tour like asked him, like, oh, like, would you like to do a Poe Dameron like Marvel uh, or not Marvel, um Disney Plus show? And he goes, ha! No, <laughs> and I was like, well, I like oh. when they asked. I like when they asked Boyega that, and he was like, "No, I'm not getting Disney Plus. Absolutely yeah. not. I am not getting you know Disney funny? Plus." Is that's the same sort of energy as, yeah? If I ever make another Bond movie, I would like to slit my wrist. And then he made No Time to Die because you know if it's the right place in the right time, they'll do it. And also the right money in your bank account. Or Ethan Hawke saying, or Ethan Hawke saying, "I'm never going to do one of these things." Oscar Isaac got himself into some into some better franchises, I think. Oscar Isaac literally said, "I will not." Uh, was scarred emotionally, scarred by doing X Men Apocalypse. And well, now he's, he's doing. doing a, well, so, we, we got card counter one. Yeah. How many card counters do you think we're going to get? <laughs> I think card counter three Tokyo card, Drift would be an amazing. Yeah, movie. something like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tokyo Flush. Tokyo Flush. Like yeah. The, yeah, there you go. I mean, I know Christopher Columbus yeah. has been very vocal about the Harry Potter um, cursed child thing. Because Christopher Columbus can say whatever he wants. Nobody wants to hear from that man. We pro- like the fact that that he even came out and mentioned like Eddie would like to do it. It was a sign. I was like, I read that news and I went, oh. Christopher Columbus is still alive, dude. My guy is out. My guy is out here leading the Christmas Chronicles franchise. All right, hot <laughs> Santa. I think while we're canceling the other Christopher Columbus, maybe we should get rid of this one. As yeah, well. there you go, Nicole. I'm liking it. Well, you don't hear like you know what's funny is like you're da- like David Yates seriously like has dirty secrets on all of Warner brothers because he keeps directing those movies. And then like Chris Columbus keeps wanting to make this. You never hear Alfonso Cuaron say, you know, I'd like to make another one. You never hear him go. Yeah. I'll, I'll take, I'll tap into that property. You know, yeah. You, know, you want to know why? Cause it's okay to move on guys. It's okay. It's yeah. Like, you know, cause once you make a masterpiece, you don't ever have to do it again. David Yates is kind of the perfect director for this franchise because he's not a director that I'm super interested in seeing. I I don't really care about a David Yates passion project. I don't know if there's yeah. much <laughs> juice to that. So let him kind of have the shackles on, make these movies, which are kind of on rails anyway, throw a little bit of style to it because he's a competent filmmaker and just keep churning them out, I guess. I don't know. Got to find out about those crimes of Grindelwald. Who is directing? It, it's, was it David Yates or was it Christopher Columbus directing Crimes of the uh, Fantastic Beasts? He did. Or he did it, all. He he did both of the Fantastic Beasts. Yeah, David and he's Yates he's did. doing the new one too. He's doing the. What's new the one. new one called? 
Secrets of Dumbledore. It's Yates again. Secrets yeah. of Dumbledore. We already mm-hmm. know all the secrets of Dumbledore because the author won't shut up about them. Well, no, <laughs> that's the thing is they've got to actually put some of them into something other than just uh, her interview so that they can clean the franchise of her presence. Yeah, well, it's it's you know the whole Pottermore thing. I I think that was like a great <laughs> idea to like expand the universe of Harry Potter, but you know. I don't want it to become like a J.K. Rowling like bash. But she thing. doesn't Just, expand the universe; she contracts the universe. They're all like <laughs> it's only characters that we already know who are in love with each other or who have adventures together or whatever. So the the expansion is what's interesting. No, truly, the thing is, as soon as she said that thing about um <laughs> before Hogwarts had bathrooms. <laughs> That was the funniest. <laughs> From that moment on, where nothing that woman has said matters to me at all. <laughs> like, I was, like I mean, obviously, one day I was like, like huh? And I like, just obviously, she says a bunch of disgusting things about you know real life things. Um, but the moment that she said that, I was like, oh, she's she's genuinely lost it. Like, she's genuinely <laughs> off her rocker. Um, because what could possess you to say that? The fans like, needed to know. It's been on our minds <laughs> since day one. When I was eight years old, I had to ask my parents, and they they said, "I don't, I don't know, Ryan. I don't know why the bathrooms are like that. You're just gonna have to one day hope that she releases this in a press release and <laughs> in a manic sort of state." And I just said to my parents, "I said." <sighs> okay, I'll wait. I'll wait. You know, I mean, I'm literally uh, crying. I'm and I got, <laughs> and, and <laughs> that was probably the, the out of anyone tweeting anything. I was just like, huh? Nice. And I just kept scrolling. Anyway, like, back to this cool. movie. Um. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I was, yeah, I was trying to get back to the movie, but yeah, this just overall. Uh, I know we've been going here for a while, and I don't want to take too much of you guys' time here. I know it's it's late here already, but um, let's just get into closing thoughts. Um, of this movie, we'll start with Jay, then we'll go to Nicole, and then we'll end with Ryan. I'll give mine, and then we'll kind of go through um, the rest of the uh, closing process. Sure, yeah. Like, like, like I said, it, it's one of those movies that transcends my critical faculties in some ways, mm-hmm. although I do think it is an accomplished film in its own right. It's also just like – it's like a childhood memory that you cherish so much. It's like a it, – it's a warm blanket of a movie for me in many ways, and – Despite some of the flaws that we've pointed out today, you know, they don't give justice uh, to the death of my main man, Remus Lupin, um, which is an unforgivable sin. But uh, it is a very, very enjoyable film on its own terms. And I kind of want to give one shout out to maybe the most stylish scene in the entire movie. It's a crazy sequence when Harry grabs Voldemort and they jump and jumps off the side of the tower and they have like oh. these close-ups on their faces and it looks like they're yeah. like morphing and going insane. Um, <laughs> really interesting. The effects don't always look stellar, but it's wild enough for me that it really, really works. It's an interesting flourish in a, in a movie made by a filmmaker who I don't think always has interesting flourishes, but that's that's a yeah. wild sequence. Yeah, that scene, he's like, oh, he's, he's like, we're going to like, you know, end this together he just grabs him i was like yo you're touching voldemort now like what is going on here but sorry go ahead nicole 
Yeah. No, I, I also have to shout out. I actually really enjoy um, the opening or the, like the not quite opening, but the early sequence in this movie where they go to uh, Gringotts and they like break out. Oh, the yeah. Dragon. I think we didn't that even talk the about CGI that. Yeah, and good. all of that is actually mm-hmm. really nice. Like the, dragon all looks the work amazing. on the dragons. Yeah. So good. So good. Like maybe some of the best in the whole franchise, honestly. Um and I also just think that that's such like a fun sequence to mm-hmm. sort of have that, which is a little bit of a more like lighter adventure feel that kind of fits the rest of the series a little bit more than like the rest of this movie, which is mostly the battle. Uh, yeah. Also, I will say watching this movie made me so excited. I'm going to Universal Studios in January and watching this movie, I was hit all over again by how incredible of a job they did with with Harry Potter World at Universal so Studios good. because it looks like it's right out of this movie. And like the Gringotts stuff, there's some stuff whenever they're in um Hogsmeade that it's like the same thing. It's it's incredible. It really is. If Harry Potter means it. anything to you, you go there and you, there's just this rush of like, oh my god, I didn't music, think this like, was possible. Yeah, it's crazy. Oh my god. I, I want to go so, so bad. Like I it is hopefully um, next year you know i just haven't really had a chance to travel but i definitely want to go it's my cousin went and he just it's incredible he just bawled his eyes out he was like it was it was beautiful (laughs) you can't hype it enough you really can't yeah yeah but i um i i really do as much as i have issues with this movie because of you know things that we've discussed as much as it does uh also my main man remus lupin and my other man fred weasley dirty um i really do think there is so much in it that's good and i think that it also does feature um a lot of like really good work from the cast uh even though Mm -hmm. most of them don't really get that much to do it's not you know i think like a lot of the other movies have like more of a chance for standout work but everybody's really solid in this and alan rickman and um emma watson i think do both do really good work in this i think helena bottom carter and that like you know scene that she has is doing like really fun comedic work actually mm-hmm. um pretending to be hermione pretending to be bellatrix uh so i just i do think that like whatever issues i may have with it that put it firmly below prisoner of azkaban uh in my ranking i do still think it's a, it's a really good movie and if if you don't watch the epilogue which i did watch it for this uh podcast but i typically stop the movie oh you guys actually skip it um, that's so funny <laughs> Yeah, it, it literally, it makes me angry. So I just stop it right there. I'm like, and that's how it ended. Um, nice. Um, it, it really is a, a really nice end to the series. If you do Nicole that. like rips her on Blu-ray and edits it to where it just. She's, <laughs> she put a scratch right where that, it starts skipping yeah. when, when it hits that scene. I'm like, oh, look, it's done. <laughs> like, <laughs> she <yeah>. shows. <laughs> that's also how I watch Rise of Skywalker. I'm like, at a certain point, I'm like, and she's done. Uh, <laughs> is, that after, is that after the opening crawl? when you do that because that's normally when i stop watching it's, like, it's actually oh, just no. i just watched the bobby frick scene and then i'm like and we're oh, done oh Great. absolutely awesome. now we're talking <laughs> stand oh. a legend bobby frick my yeah. gosh um, <laughs> ryan go ahead yeah no so um i really love this movie it was in my top 20 of 2011 i think it's sitting at my number 16 of the year um, a movie that I saw, like I said, four times in theaters, an embarrassing amount of times, uh, just because like I wanted, I didn't want the series to end. Like I wanted to continue. And it was also weirdly, and this was before the stupid Fantastic Beast movies. This was like a cathartic way of saying goodbye to your childhood. 
I think I mentioned it on the last time, but like Lord of the Rings and, and Harry Potter came out at the same time. And yet this series lived longer because of the fact that there was more story to tell. And I just, I love this movie. I, I, you know, I never understood why it didn't in the terrible best picture lineup. It didn't make it in because I thought this is like sort of the celebratory thing that you want to celebrate. It was also, I believe the number one movie of the year at the box office. I'm not, not mistaken. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm wrong. Definitely was in the top five for sure. Uh, but it's just, it's one of those movies where everyone agreed at how great it was. And it's sort of nice to have one of those. Um, and if you don't like the finale of this, I mean, shame on you. Um, I do want to go to two things that I guess, uh, Nicole was talking about nitpicky wise that I do kind of agree with her on. And it is the way that Voldemort dies in this movie is so dumb because if they do ever want to do the cursed child then they have to explain how all those little particles turn some macau into the the dark lord well if that prevents them from doing the cursed child then bless them exactly i was just no i was was just about (laughs) to say that but i also it's the number one thing that nitpicks i i i know this is a nitpicky thing but so you have the Elder One, which has all the encompassing powers in the world, and you just want to break it. You don't think maybe you want to? Well, they don't put do that, the and they don't do that in together. the book. Yeah. yeah, you don't think you want to put the school back together with that thing? You I'm know, just maybe saying, shit. Hermione you know? would have screamed at him for that. I mean, <laughs> if, yeah, if there's no way it. she would have been like, "Excuse me," like, you know, like, like their reaction afterwards of like just dead in the face is like how i felt i'm like bro really look at where you're standing and doing this it's yep. rubble you know what i mean well, so for that, me, that for was, me it was saying <laughs> he could have waited like two days if just that a was day or two no one's gonna come get you bro you killed the guy that's gonna come get you well you know no but I mean? also like, there are like other death eaters on the loose at this point still like we could have helped round them up oh, yeah. Yeah. we could have rounded them up we could have fixed the school and also like you snap it in half you live in a magical world you don't think somebody can maybe <laughs> figure out how to put those two pieces back together yeah, because Harry's yeah. wine in part one, his wand broke when, you know, they're uh, operating and whatnot. And uh, Hermione says that she tries to mend it, but she wasn't able to. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Oh, well, I'm I'm sure. I'm, well, that's just Hermione. You know what I mean? So I no, mean, Ollivander. Ollivander probably could have. Ollivander can figure it out. Yeah. He's still he's still the safe house. It's just waiting for it what a boss. Over. Yeah, all of it, yeah. a boss for sure. But no, it's just other than those things, I mean, it is it's truly one of the most entertaining and satisfying finales you'll ever have. And yes, it could be more. I've always attested that I think these books, these Harry Potter books, would make it a very interesting long form television series down the road with an entirely different cast. Um, that way you can get more into the emotional contextualities and have everything plus add things to the lore that aren't unnecessary. Give it, it, you know, get it out of the hands of her. You know, that's where the, I think that something like that could work, you know, on like an HBO, even as these shows get darker and darker. 
Actually, um, funny enough, I did re- really. I didn't mean to cut you off. I do apologize, but I believe there is. Like, I read an article. It was either through Variety or Hollywood where HBO was looking into making Harry Potter, uh, rebooting it into a uh, series. I think that that would be the smart thing to do. Yeah, don't don't continue the the stuff of the films. Maybe just remake because there's so much material that they never tapped into mm-hmm. especially like goblet of fire is like a book that they just completely ju- to me just didn't fully look i'm just saying book. marauders era tv series let's go yeah that's yeah that, that, that's the those are the kind of things like i want if we're gonna do that build out the world you know <laughs> nobody wanted newt scamander i'm so sorry yeah like, Are you kidding me? America has Newt Scamander yeah. fever. I we I can't go around the block without hearing somebody yelling about Newt Scamander. What What I do want yeah. is young, serious Remus and James. So, oh, yeah, sounds good. Or just come up with another story, just another story completely unrelated to Harry Potter. Well, as we've seen, though, she's not great at that. Oh, not her involved at all. Absolutely not. No, she's done. Sorry, you cut off. Yeah, we need to, as a society, just agree to be done with her. But, uh, uh, Ryan, I'm sorry. uh, Did you have anything else to say before we uh, close out of here? Nope. Movies are just good, and and that's all you need to know. Cool. Movies good. J.K. Rowling, not. (laughs) J.K. Rowling, no comment. Uh, (laughs) No comment. Yeah, yeah. It's what she Um, should have. No comments. Just get just get off Twitter. Get off Twitter. What are you doing? Yeah, Ugh. but you know what? At a certain point, like people are I mean, she's as bad you know, as some of these other high profile people. It's just like they don't have a person around them at this point to tell them to like monitor. To stop. Yeah. Yeah. And even so, like when they're not there, it would be like a twenty four hour <laughs> sort of thing. You know what I mean? It's a twenty four hour so, job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's it's the thing of like not everything that comes in here your brain needs to be spilled out into a public forum. Someone just, just needs to happen. change her passwords for her. <laughs> yeah, make them like yeah, yeah. obscure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Make her go crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's celebrities. What are you gonna do? But uh, yeah, so for me, I, you know, my my final thoughts pretty much echo everyone else's you know it it is it's just always sad like you know early back then you know we talked about the series about this maybe becoming a series but you know back then it's like you know book to movie adaptations were all the rage we had golden compass we had the hunger games we had twilight it was this rush of like movie like book to movie adaptations but i you know harry potter is and for always will be my favorite film franchise and, you know, despite all of its flaws, um, it, it really is a magical story. And um, it's, it, it's you know, it's gotten me through some uh, tough times like growing up and it's just, you know, I, I will forever be grateful for the world that JK Rowling did give to all of us, you know, despite her being problematic, you know, I, a lot of people, you know, I try to separate the art from you know, the creator, especially nowadays, but, um, it's, it's, it's something special. And it's, it's every time I watch part two, it's like, man, it's, it's over. Like, and, you know, until next year, essentially. And, um, it's, 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 it's a beautiful thing, you know, and I really, really want to go back and re uh, read the books. It's, 
I'm just trying to find the time. You know, we're in the middle of award season right now, so we don't have time to watch it. Oh, it's catch up season. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's it's okay. crazy. Yeah. I mean, we still have all these movies coming out, like you know, Thanksgiving. Well, by the time this is out, Thanksgiving will have already passed. So um, from my past self, the future self, I hope everyone has a great Thanksgiving. But <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's just you, you don't get franchises like this anymore. You know, I I don't think there'll ever be another franchise, at least for me, that makes me fall in love with a world like Harry Potter. So it's it's very. I mean, it's it, I mean, if if there is something out there, then again, I don't know. I said that last time and then game of thrones came out and i love game game of thrones Amazing i think it's about stuff. capturing that innocence and getting us at a early point and yeah and us going along on a ride and then as time goes on it does turn into nostalgia but it becomes more more than just that it becomes a part of us and yeah very few things in this world do that and i think that that's on purpose because there aren't as many universal things that we can all cling ourselves to because not many of them are nearly the quality and have their own sort of things that everybody can connect to. Well, it's also, it's a series that came out about kids when we were kids. Now, yeah, yeah. series now that come out for, that are about adults are all about like, man, it's so hard to be an adult. <laughs> and so they're not, they don't give you the same level of like enthusiasm. Yeah, everyone connects to different things and different people, and Mm -hmm. everyone's got a different favorite, and we can all talk about it. But we all do it in a positive manner because we love the world. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Part of it is what Jay said, where it's like they caught us right at the right time. You know, Um, but then there's other things that came out at the same thing, like like Nicole's favorite new series is Twilight. And those movies are god awful. So you don't, know, it's, it's don't just, remind it's just me that I can't have the flashbacks to that day. <laughs> oh right yeah, now, you, right? you did a marathon, didn't you? Yeah, I you watched all five it. Twilight movies in a row. Uh, we do Ooh, have audio right. commentaries for all Good of them coming Lord. out on Next Best Picture. Um, I would not recommend doing that to anyone, but I will say I'm sure that. The particularly the last couple audio commentaries are probably really good content because I was losing my mind. Um, yeah, and yet, yeah. and yet, that franchise has given us two of our enduring movie stars, and Harry Potter's actors for the most part are sort of gone. Emma Watson's off trying to save the world, so that's true. She, yeah, she, she's doing her own thing. Like, you yeah, know, I, I saw don't know her she's... sitting at that uh, at that Adele concert. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. she's yep. living her best life she's attended two of the best universities she's, on earth you know what she doesn't like, she doesn't have to work no because she's got so yeah. much money when she sees this. a role that she wants to do she does it um yeah, yeah. when she wants to auto tune as bell again she got that bag with bell look when she wants to work with Greta Gerwig she does it um I mean, yeah 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 true yeah. And she's the worst part of the whole movie yeah Okay, let's not get okay. into that. But I can't get I into that she right did now. Say, I mean, if it was originally what it was supposed to be in Emma Stone, it would have been a, it would have been a much better. Nope. Because that's nope. a much better. Oh, that's a much Will worse casting. It was the best thing to ever walk this earth. Well, well oh, I love that movie. Girls. I love it to pieces. It's a, no, we oh yeah, we love Christmas that movie, movie ever. That's Christmas movie True. ever. Well, but, no, um, it's not Die Hard. None of them. None of the none of the Marsh sisters have machine guns. All right, so oh let's just gosh. get that out of the way. 
<laughs> they're words of their machine guns. <laughs> but, kiss, um, kiss kiss bang bang or anything like that. Oh too. my gosh. Um, <laughs> I wanted to thank you guys so, so much for being a part of this journey um, with me and it's, it's, it's over. I mean, I don't know if I'll ever do fantastic beast. Sharia was jokingly saying, he's like, you know, you gotta do fantastic beast. Right. I'm like, <laughs> Depends on how the rest of this series goes. Like it's if, if series of Dumbledore onward, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's like I I'd rather go through Star Wars than go. I think that's fantastic. fair. It's a much better yeah, idea. Yeah, sure. I do, do Star Wars with you. <laughs> let me it's, talk. Let me talk about you and McGregor as Obi Wan Kenobi. I dare you. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. oh, I but can't wait for that series. It's 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 been an honor having you guys on for this wild ride, and thank you to everyone else, um, you know, who wasn't able to make it on for this podcast. You know, JD, Brendan, uh, Matt Wyatt, um, uh, Amy Smith, uh, Amanda uh, from AMX NDA Reviews, of course. You know, just this is Jay's first debut here on the show. Mm-hmm. So again, thank you so much for coming on, man. I would love to have you back on for whatever other crazy thing we decide to do but you know it was great talking to harry potter with you you know it's uh it's it's been an honor for sure hey thank you very much yeah it was so good to be here i'm so glad i got to do this movie in particular um obviously such an important movie such a huge event in my life growing up um so it was it was so much fun and this we, I, I think I let us down some weird rabbit holes at certain <laughs> points, so I apologize for that. But you know, it, fine, it happens. Yeah. it happens. Thank so. you for letting me come on and just rant about Remus Lupin on multiple podcasts, even <laughs> ones for movies that he's not in. Um, but no, it, it's very special. I, I feel very lucky that I got to be here for like the first episode, a middle one, and the and the very end. So, um, yeah. thank you for for listening when i like at the end of the first episode was like hi i, I want to come back can i come back and talk about my two favorite movies <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's 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 been an honor guys for sure uh but i wanted to give you guys a um option or excuse me the uh the leeway to kind of you know plug yourself let everyone know where they can find you uh since this is coming out Early December, you know, kind of uh, stick to where you know where everyone can find you and whatnot. We'll start with um, with because well, since I don't know what you guys have working, so it's going to be like, wait a minute. So anyway, uh, Ryan, uh, we'll start with Ryan, then we'll go with Nicole, then we'll end with Jay. Just let everyone know where they can find you on the internet, and um, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterbox at Ryan McQuaid seventy seven. You can find me at In Session Film, where I do the Chase the Gold podcast because it's Oscar season. I also am co-host with Jay Ledbetter for the Extra Film uh, podcast over there. This month, we or this the rest of this year, we will be doing a Pedro Avadovar movie series uh, leading up to his release of Parallel Mothers. And we'll also be doing independent films every now and then i also have work over at awards watch awards radar and film speak and i also do the bust in the block podcast with kevin lee uh and so i've got a lot going on but uh it's like jay and nicole said it's been an honor christian for you to have us on um you know i love listening to the show when when i'm when i'm not on and uh and thank you so much man just just uh let us know when we can come on and talk about anything else all together again this was great Thank you for the kind words. It means a lot. Go ahead, Nicole. So the bigger question I do think is where you can't find Ryan online. 
<laughs> listen, no listen, kidding. And oh, there was one thing I do want to say is that please go and follow Christian and follow Jay, but also especially follow the great Nicole Ackman. All of them are great, amazing people. You really should go follow them. I mean, yes, follow me as well because I'd love it. But but the rest of them, they really are great people, and I think that we should be following uh, positive, warm. Uh, intelligent people right nowadays so uh, yeah go follow these guys yeah um i'll echo that real quick follow, follow these dudes uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, if you want to follow me i'm on twitter instagram and letterboxd at nicole ackman 16 uh the best place to find my work is probably over on twitter where i tweet all the different places i'm, I'm writing for and podcasting and i've got a link tree there as well but um, you can find a lot of my work over at Next Best Picture. Um, I also have my own podcast uh, with my friend Maggie called Petticoats and Poppies History Girls at the Movies. It looks specifically at period drama. Um, I'm also, I'm literally sitting here like, what else do I write for? Where, where do I podcast? I don't know. <laughs> it's 1130 at night, my time. Um, I also write for FF2 Media, Culture S, uh, The Cinemaholic. Um, I'm probably forgetting somewhere that's going to be very embarrassing to me in like 10 minutes when I remember. Um, I also talk Oscars a lot over at uh, the Music City Drive-In podcast. So definitely check that out. Um, But yeah, the best place to find everything is just on my Twitter where I share all of my work and also mostly just talk about Adam Driver. (laughs) Okay, there you go. That's that. (laughs) Uh, That tracks. I mean, look, I'm self-aware. I'm mostly just. He's being transparent. Yeah, you know, that's not just Adam Driver. That's Tom Holland. That's Timothy Chalamet. Lately, I mostly just talk about Andrew Garfield. Yeah, which is a new one for me. But he, no, it's it's really full circle because back in the day. Um, on Tumblr when I was a teen. Um, and now today on TikTok, which cracks me oh, up that some Tumblr. things never change. Um, Andrew Garfield was like the person that people used as a young Remus Lupin. So some things do come full circle. Mm. Um, yeah. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Mr. J. Ledbetter, where can everyone find you? You can find me on the Twitter at Mr. J. Ledbetter. Uh, you can find me on Letterboxd, J. Ledbetter as well, I guess. You can find my work. I don't have all these outlets. These these folks have got 15 different outlets they're working on. They got multiple podcasts. I got one podcast I write once in a blue moon over at In Session Film. Um, and that's pretty much where my work exclusively lies, except for guesting on other people's podcasts, which I'm always happy to do. So if you have a podcast, hit me up on Twitter. Again, that's at Mr. J Ledbetter. Maybe we'll work something out here. I need to start tweeting more about Andrew Garfield or um, I don't know. Who did you not say? Who's another... Um, uh, Harry Styles. Um, now that he's oh, in the Tom MCU Hiddleston, or something, Tom Hiddleston. Um, Talk about Tom Hiddleston. That's uh, that's in my wheelhouse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what, Jay? Jay, you should you should um, honestly tweet about after Jay- today. It might be this might be a Jamie Dorn in a uh, Stan account. That's uh, that's fair. I mean, what, Jay, love. handsome. What a handsome man. Unbelievable. I think you should tweet about uh, Jake Gyllenhaal because he's never done anybody wrong. And well, he's hot. He's, he's hot in the streets guy. right now. Yeah. yeah, you know, you know, he's a he's a great guy, and anyone that's still talking about any incidents from from like ten years ago about him, just get over we're, it. You we're know? coming yeah. full circle. We talked about Dumbledore. We're going to talk about Jake Gyllenhaal. We love a manipulator, you know. Yeah. Uh huh. Sure. Because <laughs> right, I'm not about to do get out on the end of this podcast. <laughs> 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 mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Manipulator, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, definitely go follow uh, Nicole, Jane, Ryan. Um, all of their links will be in the episode description of this podcast, as well as the next best picture. Uh, yeah, wow, next best picture website and the Incession film uh, website as well. And of course, you can follow us over on Twitter and um instagram at film optics says optics with an x um excuse me by the time this is out obviously our part one review will be out that me and brendan kind of took a deep dive of definitely hollows part one there and i believe we will have like our tick tick boom review is out our ghostbusters afterlife review will be out as well as our hawkeye episode one and two reviews so definitely go check that out uh by the time this is out um all that should be up Maybe a little bit more. I don't know. We're kind of speaking into the future here. But uh, just want to tell everyone now, thank you again. And remember, listeners out there, whether you come back by page or by film, Hogwarts will always be there to welcome you home. Um, and that's <laughs> that's a wrap uh, for today. Thank you all for listening. And if you enjoy the show, leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram to stay in the know. That was Nicole J. Bryan. My name is Christian. We'll see you guys in the next one.